Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Call free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southernness to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad you could join us for this Wednesday, November 8th edition of the Eagle Hour. I'm Kelly Sander along with producer engineer Michael Mergens. We are in the Southern Bank Corps studio in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson is on the road today. He will be joining us via phone in the third segment of today's program. Bob Getty is on vacation and will rejoin us next week. Uh, to come on the program today, we're going to be talking momentarily to Noah Freire of the famous Freire and Smith podcast. Nobody covers the Sunbelt Conference better than the Freire and Smith podcast. Noah will be joining us again, Luke, in the third segment. And then the fourth segment today, we're going to check in with the Massey ratings and get you up to date on uh, everything uh, elsewhere in the Southern Miss world, including an assistant coach, a new assistant coach with the Southern Miss women's basketball team that has a familiar Last name. The first segment of today's program brought to you by Dickie's Barbecue Pit with the holidays coming up. Leave the smoking of your turkey or whatever the main course might be of your festivities for the family up to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. They can take care of that and all the sides as well. So just enjoy the family and the get together and leave the cooking to Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Proud supporters of Southern Miss Athletics and glad to be with us here on the Super Talk Eagle Hour. All right, as we mentioned, Noah Freire joins us now for a couple of segments to talk uh, Sunbelt Sports, and nobody does it better than the Ferry and Smith podcast that you can download. We're going to be talking about how you can do that in just a little bit. But as we welcome you, Noah, let's talk about James Madison to begin with. The, they have really been a story. The Dukes have been a story all year long, undefeated, but yet not eligible at this point to play for a conference championship or a bowl game. So to the casual listener... Kind of tell us how that can be, and then secondary, tell us how that might change. Yeah, Kelly, uh, thanks, you know, first and foremost for having me on the show. Always enjoy uh, talking some Southern Miss uh, Golden Eagles football and Sunbelt as, as a whole. But, yeah, the James Madison situation is it, certainly the uh, most discussed uh, storyline in the Sunbelt right now. I think it was number two trending nationally on Twitter yesterday. Um, Southern Miss, obviously, for you know most of the listeners know, nine and zero to begin the season. I think there's a real good chance that they get to ten and zero this week against UConn. But they are in their second year of transitioning from the FCS level, and NCAA rules say that during that transition, you're not eligible for a bowl game. And uh, in the case of the Sun Belt, if you're not eligible for a bowl game, you're also not eligible to compete in the conference championship. But all Southern, or really all James Madison. 
has done. They've gone nine and zero this season. They go eight and three last year. They're seventeen and three in two years of transition, and so the noise is becoming louder and louder. They clearly they were prepared for this transition, and so their uh, administration, both at the collegiate level as well as in the athletic department, sent a letter to the NCAA. Uh, yesterday, you know, wording it slightly different than maybe in the past, uh, saying that they would like relief from the rules as opposed to a waiver, perhaps giving the NCAA a, a new nugget, much like we saw in the Tez Walker situation at North Carolina, to perhaps be able to change their opinion. Um, so James Madison's trying to become bowl eligible. I think a lot of people in the Sun Belt would like to see that. There's a, a real good chance that at this point James Madison would be the New Year's Six representative uh, from the group of five, um, and that, that comes with big money. It comes with big exposure. You've seen the Sun Belt start to get behind this effort a little bit uh, in the last couple of days, so certainly on the minds of everyone, and it'll be interesting to see if things change. If I was a betting man, I still think that it has less than a 50% chance of changing, but uh, definitely a storyline, and you know we're deep into the season, so we always need a good storyline to talk about. Well, the pleading so far has fallen upon deaf ears from the NCAA, but you referred to the big money that would come along with it, and of course that would trickle down to other teams, including our Golden Eagles here at Southern Miss. But even even if they are shunned in that effort, because of some of the ineptitudes, if you will, of some of the other teams in the Sun Belt, James Madison may yet still get to play a bowl game. Fill in some of those blanks. Yeah, there, you know, there are some caveats to this transition rule. Um, you know, college football fans, you know, and specifically Southern Miss fans would be familiar with five and seven teams making a bowl game. You, you look at Rice last year and, and how that comes about is when teams are five and seven and there's not enough bowl teams, they, they look at teams that have a high APR scoring, which is uh, a score that looks at the academic performance of the football program, the athletic department as a whole. Um, and so decisions are made based off of that. So if you're, if there are not enough bowl eligible teams, then they go to five and seven teams that have the highest APR. You think of a team like Rice in recent memory, but. Teams that are in the second year of transition, so think of a team like James Madison, think of a Jacksonville State in Conference USA, both that would currently be bowl eligible, are allowed to be picked ahead of those five and seven teams. So as recently as the other day, Brett McMurphy, who keeps track of a lot of this stuff for the Action Network, he did a calculation. He said that of the 82 teams that we would need to fill all the bowl games this year, there's only, you know, on pace to have about 78 right now, which would leave four open spots, which would mean that a James Madison would play in a bowl game. Now they would not be able to play in that New Year's Six Bowl because the New Year's Six says that you have to have, you know, been a conference champion uh, in order to participate in that New Year's Six Bowl. But there is a path forward for James Madison to get to a bowl game, um, and it will certainly you know, be worth paying attention to. I think um, you know, there are some teams in this conference, you think of an Arkansas State, that might be a surprise bowl team. If they pick up another win, does that potentially steal a spot? So fascinating to watch over these final three weeks of the season. And you've got the Cajuns, who the Southern Miss Eagles will play tomorrow night. The Cajuns are just one win away from becoming bowl eligible, so we will be watching that game with keen interest anyway. But most of the Sunbelt coaches that we have talked to, Noah Freire of the Freire and Smith podcast, have told us they don't want to go on record, but they, but they say that they get the NCAA rule. They understand why it was put in place. But most think that two years is a little bit over the top and that most would favor one year but not two. 
Yeah, Kelly, I think it's a great point, and we are in a an ever-changing world in college athletics. Your listeners know that. Uh, Southern Miss fans know that. I think when you look at, you know, even a Texas State in the Sun Belt, the, the revival of that program in just a year, I think the notable one that everyone is, is very aware of is what's gone on at Colorado and just the number of transfers. You think of the transfer portal, you think of name, image, and likeness. And I think another thing, and again, James Madison alluded to this in their letter, but there has been a change from the NCAA. You don't see as many, um, you know, bowl bans, postseason implications when it comes to violations, and that's because they don't want to hurt these student-athletes. So I think that there's a great case to be made here that there should be a one-year transition process. I think maybe there's even a case to be made that there should be, you know, some guidelines that are put in place, and if you can prove that you've met those guidelines in advance of your transition, you could be immediately eligible because, let's be honest, James Madison is competing at the highest level because they were prepared for this move for as many as the last 10 years. So I think there's some changes that could come about. Uh, they're not going to come about in the middle of the season, but there's enough noise with teams that have had success over the last couple of years in this transition process that, I think something could change down the road. Because the bottom line here, is it not true that all you are doing is hurting the student-athletes? Yeah, and I think that's what rings so hollow, is we constantly hear from the NCAA about student-athlete you know, wellness, mental health. And in this situation, you are taking away a team's ability to play for a championship when they clearly have proven that they are a fantastic football team. So it only hurts the student-athletes. Obviously, there's the money component as well. I mean, a school like Tulane playing in the New York Six Bowl game, they picked up about $4 million in economic impact last year that then went back into the sun, or into the American that was divvied out amongst the members, which, Kelly, you alluded to earlier. So, yeah, I mean, it definitely hurts the student-athletes. I think from that perspective, a lot of us would love to see them get an opportunity in the postseason. But like I said, as of right now, it does look like James Madison – will have a chance to play in a bowl game. It just might not be the bowl game that many people think they deserve to be playing in. Let's take a look at some of the Sunbelt uh, football teams now, both in the East and the West. One of the teams in the West that just hasn't gotten a whole lot of love, uh, it seems to me, it has been Troy. A lot of people talked about South Al at the beginning of the year, that, that that might be the team to beat. And, of course, then with the start that Texas State had. But, but all Troy does... Might not be fancy, but all the Trojans do is win, and they're on pace to maybe win the West again this year. Yeah, Kelly, I think early on in the season, you know, Troy goes, oh, and, you know, they, they pick up a couple of early season losses, but, you know, when you look back since Troy brought in John Summerall, this football team is 19-4 and four over the last two seasons. They have turned themselves into a power Obviously, one of their losses was a, a real close loss to James Madison. I think that's why some people would love to see James Madison become eligible for the championship game so that we could perhaps get that rematch. But this Troy program has proven over the last two seasons under John Summerall that they know how to win football games. I think that the defense is very much on par with the defense that we saw a year ago in Troy's you know championship season, bowl-winning season. The offense, led by Kamani Vidal and a greatly improved Gunnar Watson, is putting up some big numbers this year. So Troy has flown under the radar a little bit. You're definitely right, but uh, they have been a juggernaut this year. And as of right now, with James Madison not eligible for that conference championship, Troy, in my mind, is the favorite to win not only the West, but the Sun Belt Championship and, and probably be playing 
in a, in a big bowl game come December. Well, we're going to talk more about teams from both the West and the East, and we'll see how Noah Ferrari breaks down the Eagles game with the Cajuns tomorrow night. That's when the Eagle Hour continues after these commercial messages. The Eagle Hour, Southern Miss to the top. This segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by our friends at Campus Bookmart. You cannot miss Campus Bookmart. It is the almost neon yellow building right across the street from uh, the main entrance to the campus at Southern Miss on Hardy Street. It's your one-stop shop as you get closer to the holidays now, whether you want to spend $2 on Christmas or if you want to go full bore and spend big money. They've got everything Southern Miss there, you know, from apparel to all sorts of trinkets with the Southern Miss logo on it. Uh, Campus Bookmart 24-7 online at campusbookmart.net. Continuing our discussion with Noah Frary, who is the co-host of the Frary and Smith podcast, covers the Sunbelt. As difficult as it is for us just to keep our pulse on Southern Miss, these guys have their finger on the pulse of everything in the Sun Belt. So it's got to be a 24-7 job for them, and, and nobody does it better. For Arian Smith Podcast, we're going to talk to him at the end of this uh, discussion as to how you can get in on the action if you haven't already. But, Noah, as we continue our discussion, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Southern Miss-Louisiana game in a minute. But talking about other teams in the league, you know, it's been a disappointing season for us here in Hattiesburg. Will Hall will be the first one to admit it. But some of the other teams that, that have really hit some bumps this year and, and have had clunkers, really. Uh, what's going on with Marshall? Uh, the Thundering Herd have just been a really big disappointment, particularly the past month. Yeah, I mean, Marshall starts the year 4-0, and and now they've lost five games in a row. They're 1-4 and in conference play. Yeah, I think we're all trying to figure out what has gone on up at Marshall the the offense has been abysmal. They have one offensive touchdown in their last four games. The defense has taken a massive step back this season from the defensive team that we saw a year ago. Um, things have not gone well up there. I think they have been one of the major disappointments in the league. They were a team that I thought was going to be a dark horse. They have just not been able to create much offense downfield. Teams have been able to key in on their running game a little bit more as of lately once we got into Sunbelt play. And like I said, the defense has taken a step back because of some injuries and just some poor play as a whole. So Marshall has been a big disappointment. I don't think many people thought that they would be in the cellar of the East Division this year, but uh, it has not been a great year up in Huntington, West Virginia. And Louisiana Monroe was a team that competed with some really good teams early in the year, and it, it seems like you know they were a field goal away here and there from, from winning some big games, but they seem to be trending in the wrong direction to where people in Monroe are talking about maybe showing Terry Bowden the door. Is that, is that possible? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible at this point. I mean, sitting at 0-6 in conference play and probably their best chance for the conference win, you know, going by the wayside last year or last week in that matchup against Southern Miss. Um, you're right, Terry. This is a team that took App State down to the buzzer that lost on a walk-off field goal in the most unlikely of ways. Then you, the following week, lose to a very good Texas State team by one point. There have been some really close losses for ULM this year. I said at one point this year that, they were the best 0 and 4 team in probably or 0 and 4 team in conference play in America, just with some of the close losses. But lately, they haven't looked good. I, things are not trending in the right direction. They do have an exciting uh, young quarterback in Blake Murphy that maybe is the future there. But um, you know, tough to get a pulse on that program, and, and certainly has not been a great year. The fact that some of those games were so close, 
and that there are some some budding stars on the horizon. Would that be enough uh, to keep Coach Bowden around? Yeah, it might be. I mean, I think the toughest thing is in a situation like ULM, you have to be realistic. You have one of the lowest budgets in the conference. The infrastructure is not great. It's a tough situation uh, for a head coach to want to come into. So how much more are you going to get from Terry Bowden? Uh, you know, I think it's tough to say, but he, he might be your best option at this point, uh, given the state of affairs at ULM. So, um, yeah, certainly still to be seen, but it's, it, things have not looked great over the last several weeks for the Warhawks. Kelly Sander and Michael Morgans, we are broadcasting from the Southern Bancor Studios in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson will be joining us over the phone in the third segment. Bob Getty on vacation until mid-next week. We continue our discussion with Noah Frary from the Frary and Smith podcast covering the Sun Belt uh, from wall to wall. Uh, Noah, the Southern Miss Eagles now head to Lafayette tomorrow for a ESPNU game against the Cajuns who go to battle against Southern Miss with a third string quarterback and coming off of a, a victory against Louisiana Monroe. Let's break this one down and how do you see this one coming off? The Eagles against the Cajuns tomorrow night. Yeah, it's going to be a fun game. I'm actually set to record a preview of this game in about two hours with Caden. It'll come out uh, tomorrow on the Prairie and Smith podcast. We've started doing uh, special episodes around these midweek games. But, yeah, this one's going to be fascinating. If you're Southern Miss, you're probably catching Louisiana at the best time of year. Louisiana coming off of a, a loss to Arkansas State last week, a game that saw their young freshman quarterback, who was, in my opinion, the odds-on favorite to be the freshman of the year in the conference, break his fibula. He is now out for the year. And for the second straight year in Hattiesburg, like you said, you're down to your third-string quarterback. Uh, it'll be Chandler Fields. So I think this is a golden opportunity, no pun intended, for this uh, Golden Eagles defense to to have a big performance and perhaps be able to help uh, guide Southern Miss to a win. I'm not going to say that I think Southern Miss is going to win this football game, but, you know, having seen this Southern Miss offense over these last two weeks, combined 62 points in the last two games since the change at offensive coordinator, there at least are some bright spots. And, you know, with Louisiana maybe being a little bit banged up in terms of injuries, is there an opening for Southern Miss here to perhaps steal one on the road? I think the answer is yes. Uh, Southern Miss fans need to pay attention to Louisiana's running game. Uh, you know, Jacob Cabote's been fantastic. Zylan Perry this year, uh, Draylon Washington, and, and probably, in my opinion, one of the most underrated defenses in the conference, the uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So this is a fascinating matchup. Like I said, I think it comes at a, at a bad time of the year now for Louisiana, a good time of the year for Southern Miss, who's had a good run of success over these last two weeks. So, It'll be fascinating to watch, and I think this will make for must-see television on Thursday night. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I kind of got the feeling, albeit tongue-in-cheek, that you kind of feel like had Southern Miss made a change in the offensive coordinator position or or a change in the way that they did business offensively, let's just put it that way, that the Eagles might not be looking at quite as dismal a season as it's been so far. Is that reasonable? Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that there that is fair to say. I, I mean, you have several one-possession losses to Arkansas State, to Old Dominion, to South Alabama. Now, do I think this Southern Miss team would have been bowl eligible? Probably not, just because of how challenging the schedule has been. But, yeah, I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. I mean, when you look at the two prior weeks before the change, there was a combined 16 points that were scored, and since then you've seen 62 points scored. You've seen 
a revitalized Frank Gore Jr. I think Billy Wiles has been playing better. The wide receiving core is doing a much better job. So, yeah, I mean, I think a change in Hattiesburg, if it had happened earlier in the year, maybe we wouldn't be looking at a football team that's 2-7. and seven. Would they be dramatically better? I'm not willing to say that. But, um, again, the proof is in the pudding, and, and Southern Miss has been a better football team since Will Hall gave up play-calling duties. Talking about some other teams in the Sun Belt, Arkansas State fans have said, even, even as of late, that they have not been getting the love that they feel now that they deserve with a couple of has, – has Arkansas State, for lack of a better term, just kind of been lucky, or, or are they just now getting legs underneath them? Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think there was a couple of times that maybe this team has been lucky, but you know, for the most part over these last couple of weeks, they have been a much improved football team. I mean, they very easily handled Louisiana, who in that game did have Zeon Chris for three quarters, and Arkansas State looked like the better football team. I want to give Butch Jones the benefit of doubt here and believe that this team has truly started to turn a corner. This is an Arkansas State team that over the last two years they have had two of the best recruiting classes in the Sun Belt, uh, but we have not seen the results of that on the football field. Are we starting to see those? I think we might be. They've got a really good young quarterback in Jalen Rayner. That run game is starting to become better. The defense, I think, has improved as the season has gone on. And for all of the you know, talk about how bad they were at the beginning of the year, Oklahoma's actually been a, a really good football team uh, this season. So, um, things are trending up in Jonesboro. I think that there's a real chance here for them uh, to get you a bowl game. And don't be surprised to see them upset South Alabama this Saturday. And, and that was where I was going last with South Alabama. I'm beginning to think that Kane Womack down there rolls the dice. And if it comes up odd numbers, they stink. And if it comes up even, they go out and play really well. That They have absolutely been an enigma. I do not know how to figure out South Al from week to week. Yeah, none of us do. Kate and I both had them as the preseason pick to uh, win the West. They had 19 returning starters, and as you mentioned, to use your word, they've been an enigma this year. The inconsistency down there has just been surprising, particularly with all the returning players. I think offensively, they were definitely hurt by some injuries early on this year. A guy like Braylon McReynolds was expected to play a bigger role. He's out for the year. A guy like Devin Boyson, who was their leading wide receiver last year, out for the year as well. So, there are some things that you can point to, but Kelly, I think what leaves all of us in this industry a little bit befuddled is how, if you're South Alabama, do you go to Oklahoma State and dominate that football team 33-7, to a team that's now ranked 15th in college football, and yet the week after you lose to Central Michigan, and, and obviously the losses that have come since then, they have not been able to play consistent football this year in South Alabama with three weeks to go in the regular season. They are in real danger of missing a bowl game. Noah, there's the bumper music. Tell us how people can get in touch with you guys at the Ferrari and Smith podcast. Yeah, you can follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Ferrari and Smith. Uh, you can head over to Apple and Spotify and download the podcast, subscribe to it. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We talk some about football year-round, and uh, we'd certainly love to, uh, to have you be a part of it. You do great work, man, and we're big admirers. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Always enjoy my time on the Eagle Hour. All right. Thank you, Noah Freire. When we come back, Luke Johnson will be joining us. He's on the road again. We'll touch base with Luke when the Eagle Hour continues in just a moment.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. November 8th. Can you believe it? Where has this year gone? Unbelievable. Glad that you're with us on this Wednesday, the third segment of the Eagle Hour. Brought to you by 4th Street Bar and Grill. The game will be on there tomorrow night for sure. Of course, there's always a game of darts being played. And one of the few places in town where you can shoot a game of pool. Always some guys uh, waiting around to uh, got their quarters there on the pool table ready for the next game. Cold beer, lots of uh, really good food too, whether it's lunch or dinner. Southern Miss fans everywhere at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Heck, Booty might even have a game of uh, trivia for you to participate in as well. We're glad that uh, 4th Street Bar and Grill supports Southern Miss like we do. They're right there in the shadow of the rock. Joining us now in his car, actually, headed to the far reaches of the state of Louisiana is our own Luke Johnson, who is uh, on his own personal assignment tonight. He'll be back in the in the Southern Bancor studio in Laurel tomorrow. And Luke, as you traverse Interstate 10, you got a chance to actually hear our discussion with uh, Noah Frary of the Frary and Smith podcast, your reaction to some of the things that he had to say. First off, you know, I I told you I had a speaking event tonight, and I do, but I'm just using that as a cover to come in and stir up a bunch of junk before the Eagles come to Lafayette. Tomorrow night. So that's yeah. really what, well, once, that's really what once they see that Mississippi tag, you're the one that might get messed up. So, so be careful. Yeah, I might. I might. Yeah, I mean, I, I really appreciate what, what Noah did. I'll tell you off the air. I just missed Caden up in Boone when we were at App State and got to meet some of the App State podcast guys that, that know them well. But it's a great podcast. Anyway, you know, starting with James Madison, um, you know, they, this isn't. They didn't just try this in the last couple weeks. They actually put in a waiver in the off season. So anybody that thinks it's you know sour grapes and they're they paid their dues and all that and they need to keep waiting. I mean, they actually tried. This is the second you know attempt for them to do that. What's frustrating on their end is the transition is in order to prevent schools from moving up who aren't ready to play yet. And James Madison did it completely opposite. I think Noah alluded to this. They, they kind of had about a 10-year plan in place to move up. They had the attendance. They had, um, you know, the other things, budgetary concerns, all the things that, you know, uh, teams from, from moving up to FBS, they already had that in the FCS. And so for them to say, you know, we, we had all that in place. We're not making a fool of ourselves at the next level. We're actually, uh, what are they now, 19-3. and Tulane's got one more win than, than them. Um, so it, it, there is a, a case to be, but I think what you told me off air, Kelly, was who's going to make that decision? And, you know, if you don't just kind of apply the rules across the board, it turns in, it gets real hairy fast. So I do think James Madison will probably be the guinea pig that doesn't make it, but they will change the rule eventually because of this. And I don't think anybody, and as other coaches have told us, as we mentioned to Noah, I don't think anybody has a problem with there being some type of uh, waiting period. But two years, I think, is a, is a little bit extreme because, as you mentioned, the planning before you even make this jump, you think that there would have been planning two years prior to even making the move to begin with to make sure that all the T's are crossed and I's are dotted. So it's almost yeah. an afterthought. But it is, and I like Noah's idea of getting a waiver ahead of time. If you can prove that you have done everything necessary to make the, the jump, 
then if you go 0-12 your first year, guess what? That's on you. But nobody's holding you back if you succeed. What's frustrating is if you're a junior at James Madison two years ago, I'm sorry, if you're a senior at James Madison two years ago, you were a sophomore, you've taken part in the transition. You've had two straight winning seasons where you possibly could win the conference both seasons and possibly go to a bowl game, and you're effectively denied that. And it hurts all of us because of the, uh, the, the you know, um, New Year's Six Bowl that would everybody in the conference would benefit from. I get it. I, I don't like changing the rules once the game has started, but they need to change it now. Seeing what what's happened with James Madison, and one of the one of the things that really hasn't been mentioned, and you have to give pats on the back to the guys at JMU that have stayed. You know, it'd be real easily now with the transfer portal for guys to say, well, you know what, I really would like to play in a bowl game, you know, and if they're not going to let me play it here, then I might want to try University X, Y, or Z to go play. But most of those guys, by and large, have stayed at James Madison. So, you know, good for them. And I think that should be part of what goes into the decision of saying, yeah, those guys stayed, so they should be rewarded, you know, by letting them. And then they've earned this, and it's not like they've gone six and five. I mean, I mean, they've run the table so far. So they've, they've made a great statement. Uh, again, we don't think that the NCAA is going to cave here. Uh, they have already been declined once. As Luke mentioned, this is the second attempt that James Madison has made. And one, being cynical and jaded as I, as I am and have always been, you'd have to wonder if this was Michigan or Georgia, you know, if they would have ever been declined. Uh, but it's not. It's James Madison, and it's a you well, know, an underling in a, the Sun Belt. On a separate issue, you know, you've got the the kid at North Carolina, the transfer kid that was going to get denied. Then they got the North Carolina Attorney General um, in in play. So you know, we're calling on recently reelected Lynn Finch if she wants to get involved with Andre Carbello, it might help out the Golden Eagles as well. But yeah, to your point. A lot of times, it's it's who you know and and how you're able to throw your weight around in some of these NCAA things. And when you look now at the the Sun Belt teams, Luke, that made the transition from that other conference that the Golden Eagles used to be in, it it looks now when we when we really thought that Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion would be pulling their weight football wise, at least two out of the three, including our beloved Eagles, really have not. Uh, pulled their weight when it has come to football, at least not this season? Yeah, I mean, Old Dominion's kind of been like like Southern Miss in a lot of ways. They've won a lot of close games. They've lost some close ones. Marshall's just kind of a, a mystery. I think Noah said the same thing. I mean, you know, Hurd's been good, been really good. Of course, last year they beat Notre Dame. and um, But it, it is just kind of a mystery. You just wonder if something off the field is going on because they really haven't played. They haven't really been in ball games the last several weeks. That's that's really, unless you get decimated with injuries, which Noah didn't bring up, it's just kind of odd that, that you just take a quick downturn like that. Southern Miss going to Lafayette, and then you met, and now you're not to Lafayette yet on your trek today, right? What would you like me to say to the residents as I roll through there? Uh, well, no, I would actually like you to stop and do something to a traffic sign, <laughs> but drink a lot of drink a, a lot of water before you get there. About an hour ahead of time, I'll just leave it at that. But um, you know, you go through through Lafayette on your way to your your final destination. But let me throw this out there: if the Eagles, you know, pull this off tomorrow night, and I know I'm putting the cart ahead of the horse, it has not been a great year in Starkville. I mean, there's a lot of dissension in Starkville. 
Mississippi State is not a great football team. Now, I know they're in that conference, but dare I even think that the Eagles could fly into Starkville and pull one off? Well, I mean, uh, Coach speak, but I, I lived it for five years as a player. Let's not worry about that until Friday. No, I know. Uh, really, I hear let's you. Not, let's worry, not worry about that until Monday. I will say this. If, if – uh, Mississippi State does what they've been doing in, in College Station. Um, they will not be a very motivated team a week from now. But Eagles got to got to get momentum. And you know, tomorrow night with the matchup, there's there's really two two keys for me. I kind of mentioned them. We may unpack them a little tomorrow. But I think this is a team that the Golden Eagles can throw on. Um, Louisiana's given up things like 230 passing yards a game, and kind of what they did against Appalachian State. You know, if they uh, if they show a man on the outside, try to get um, some of those guys in single coverage and take some shots. I think both Cats and Anti Mims have the ability and one-on-one stuff. But for me, it's going to be protecting Wiles in order to do that, which has been a challenge at some times this year. I mentioned yesterday, you know, several guys on that front, and Jay Walker talked about how good they were up front. You got three guys with uh, with Gant, Whitfield, and Gidry. They've got close to twenty. Uh, tackles for loss and, and somewhere in like 16 or 17 sacks. And the, the front five, front four for Louisiana is, is really good. And so I just, I hope that the Eagles will be able to exploit what they, what they could do, but they got to have time to be able to throw the ball. What, what about though adapting Wiles or whoever might, and of course we don't know necessarily who's going to be back there from play to play. But in passing situations, what about two and three step drops? for the quarterback to try to, you know, get rid of the ball quickly to help offset that pass rush. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of Billy's game. I mean, he's high completion uh, percentages, you know, 10 and in. But, I mean, he, he threw the deep ball um, a, a few times well against the app, and I think you could get into where, yeah, you're like a 20-yard go and uh, just a quick fade. I think that's a possibility. But, again, the Eagles are going to have to start fast tomorrow, especially on the road. you got to build your own momentum. Yeah, and, and yesterday, well, when we were at Reed Green Coliseum on Monday, you know, one of the things that Will Hall cleared up to a lot of Southern Miss fans, a lot of Eagle fans said, you know, 17 points right out of the gate, and then the Eagles only scored one more touchdown the rest of the game. And as Will Hall cleared up, he said part of that was they purposely let the air out of the ball just to slow things down a little bit, just, you know, they had the lead, and uh, just so that uh, – Monroe would not get the football, so he answered and cleared up those questions. Luke, be careful on your way over there to Lake Charles and on your way home, and we'll see you back here again uh, tomorrow up in Laurel. Sounds good. See you guys tomorrow. All right, Luke Johnson with us on the road as he travels to Lake Charles. When we come back, we'll tell you a little bit about a lot of things, including a new hire for the Lady Eagle basketball program. That's next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. This final segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by D1 and DBAT Softball and Baseball Academy in Hattiesburg. Get ready for the upcoming seasons, which over the holidays, they're going to be having uh, holiday camps. And don't forget, you can buy memberships 
which will allow you to hit in the batting cages for less expensive you know, than usual. And uh, they'll set up training programs for you with any particular problem that you might be having. It's always heated and cooled and always clean, meticulous at D1 and D-Bat training. Also, Mobay Beignet Company, we thank them for their continued support. What a great way to spend the holidays with your kids, having fresh beignets that aren't even made until you order them. They're that fresh. You can also have hot and cold coffee and enjoy great conversation with your kids over the holidays. Mobay Beignet Company, they're right across from the campus on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg as well. The Super Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast is available on the following outlets, Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Kelly Sander along with Michael Mergens in the Southern Bancor studio in Hattiesburg. Let's get you caught up to date on other things going on with Southern Miss sports. Volleyball has a a couple of games, one match left to play. It's actually this coming weekend against Old Dominion. The Monarchs come flying into town. Oh, no, it's not like Monarchs the Butterfly. It would be like Monarchs. Yeah, they already left. The Kings and Queens. They're in South America. Yeah, that's right, for this time of year. So it would be the Old, the Old Dominion Monarchs like Kings and Queens. Coming in uh, Friday at 6 o'clock. It's at Southern Miss. Then they'll play again on Saturday at 11. Uh, those games will be on ESPN+. Plus. And then the volleyball team will head to the Sunbelt Tournament. That'll, be, that'll start next Wednesday, November 15th at Foley, Alabama. I don't know if that's Matt Foley, Alabama, or just regular Foley, Alabama. But uh, that's where they'll be. Is the stadium by a river? It's, it down is. And you, you get there by... In a van. Yes, in a van down by the river. Uh, that'll be Wednesday, November 15th, as uh, youngsters are going, what, what's going on with those guys? There, uh, the Friday, November tenth basketball game. The men will travel to Akron as part of the Sun Belt MAC Challenge. The Eagles basketball team take on the Akron Zips Friday night. That game will start at six o'clock, live from Akron, and it will be televised on ESPN Plus. So you will be able to catch the men's basketball team at Akron against the Zips Friday night at six o'clock our time. Joe Dunn. The play-by-play guy for Akron will have the call on that one on ESPN 6 o'clock on Friday night. All right, the Massey ratings are out for basketball, and let's take a look at where the men and women are for both teams. Actually, both the men and the women come in fifth in the edition of this week's Massey ratings. James Madison, boy... We've been wearing them out football-wise, or they've been wearing everybody else out football-wise. Well, they're at the top of the heap on both men's and women's poll. They lead the way in the men's poll. Marshall is second, Louisiana third, Old Dominion fourth, Southern Miss fifth in the men's poll. In women's, according to the Masseys, JMU leads the way, followed by Troy. Old Dominion is third, Marshall is fourth, and then Southern Miss fifth. Speaking of women's basketball for Southern Miss, A young coach has been hired who comes back to Southern Miss so that he can coach in his hometown. We're talking about Connor McNellis. McNellis? Yeah, you recognize that last name. Joy Lee McNellis is the head coach. Connor McNellis is Coach Joy Lee McNellis's son. He prepped at Oak Grove High School. Last couple of seasons has been an assistant at Arkansas State. Now has come home to join his mom on the staff at Southern Miss, he's actually at practice as we speak. So he leaves Arkansas State and has come home 
to be able to coach with his mom. Uh, even as young as three years old, he went around calling himself Coach Connor. And he is the youngest child of Dennis and Joy Lee and has been a terrific uh, coach in the making, continues to learn after two years at Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. He's now back home to get to help mom, Coach Michael. So that's a nice uh, coming home story. Yeah, very. So, hey, and the, your Bears almost pulled it out against uh, the Saints last week. Almost. Funny how my wife wanted to take a picture of us wearing I, – I was actually doing some shopping during the game because I don't care anymore. Uh, but she was watching the game when I came home, and it's near the end, and she insisted that we do a picture with her wearing her Saints jersey, me wearing a Bears jersey, and it's like, we're losing. It's like, that's why she wanted to take a picture. My neighbors, my next-door neighbors are, are from Chicago, and they went down and said so they, they had a great time, and they were very complimentary of the Saints really? fans. Yeah, they said the Saints fans. I've never, maybe it's my attitude, but I've never had a good, ex- when you're wearing the other team's apparel. Yeah, yeah I've never had a good experience. They said the Saints fans even shared their um, um, libation. Really? Yeah. So It's uh, got to be me. It's got to be me. <laughs> they just be, you're just a, a crotchety old guy that, exactly. that doesn't, doesn't think well of anybody else. Right. Huh? Yep, that's it. Hey, tomorrow on the program, we're going to be ta- Luke will rejoin us. We'll be talking with Mike Frazier uh, from JUCO Weekly, and he's going to be getting us up to date on the JUCO playoffs. We'll also be talking with Scott Watkins from the Sun-Herald. Then on Friday, we're going to be on location at Camp Shelby to celebrate Veterans Day as we salute the greatest people in the country, our veterans. That's all still to come this week on the Eagle Hour. We thank you for joining us today. For producer-engineer Michael Mergens and Luke Johnson on the road, I'm Kelly Sander. Thanks for joining us until tomorrow at 1 o'clock. As always, Southern Miss to the top. Time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.